So we're going to continue in the, in the final week of the series of uh, Church is Not for Church People. And it's really this kind of idea that we are called to go and be uh, disciples wherever we are, right? And to uh, help make disciples. We talked about that in this series already. I want to do a little bit of a series recap just to remind us because it might seem, I think, I've loved to watch how God has worked through the series and uh, how he's brought all these pieces together, but I, I want to kind of walk through it real quickly with you as we get started and, and remind us that the first, the, the thing that we tend to say to people is, come as you are, come as you are, right? Family Bible Church always says, come as you are, right? Um, but we're also called to go as we are. That's the call of the church, is to go as we are into the world and proclaiming the good news. This is something that Jesus told us to do, and I think he was serious about it, and many of us are afraid that, that we're not good enough or can't do it right, um, and yet we can go and, and be faithful, just like we are helping to share good news in the world. Then we talked about the opportunity of thresholds, right? Like every time we cross through a door, I don't know if you felt that that week, but every time you go into a new space, you have an opportunity to be a witness for the gospel. And there's so much baggage in this language. I, I know for church folks, there's so much baggage in the language of evangelism or, or sharing good news or um, being a witness, you know, that we've packed it with all this junk that we don't like. And then we go, oh, I don't want to do it because I don't like it. But I don't think it is what we think it is. And I've been trying it myself through this process to unlearn things that I've learned to, because I I, I don't want to put stuff in it that's not supposed to be there that feels burdensome um, because it was a bad experience. Kind of like Sarah just shared about you know, going out and doing street evangelism. There are, there are people who are great at that, and there are powerful ways to do it, but sometimes we have a negative experience, and then we just go, well, that's not for me. And I don't think that's what the Bible's calling us to necessarily, that everyone would be a street evangelist. But we are all made new in Christ, and, and we all are carrying in a very practical way the hope of the nations in us. The hope of our families, our friends, in us. And so, like, how do we contend with that? So we talked about the threshold opportunity. Um, Pastor Rich came in, and he gave a great message on uh, gospel motivation and why the church can go and do this stuff. It was very awesome to have him come in. And I want to say something about that because I've been, I was praying about— this is all about 2018 and kicking off, right? I want to—and I said this before, but I want us, Family Bible Church, as a people group, uh, to be the kind of church that encourages other people in ministry— right? That isn't, I don't want us to be a, a, a competitive kind of a, a, a people group, you know? I recently heard someone said that the best way to make a group of people and get more people in your group is to talk about how you're not everyone else, right? So the more you talk about the negatives of everyone else, the more people will draw near you and say, yeah, because we're not like them. I, I don't want us to be that because I don't think that's what Christ calls us to be. I hope that in Christ we can say, oh, yes, because God is so much bigger than what we can imagine. He's working over there, too. He's working in you, too. I love what you're doing at that church. I love what you're doing at that ministry. And so I, I, part of this has been uh, to kind of set that tone for 2018 and say, let's encourage other people in ministry, because I don't know if you're like me at all, but you don't necessarily need someone else to discourage you <laughs> from doing what you're called to do, right? But you might need a few people to come and say, oh, that's awesome, I'm so glad you're doing that, even if they are not part of our church. And so let's be that in other people's lives. So I say a lot to say this. It was awesome to have Pastor Rich come in and preach because I think a lot of Rich's ministry at HCC, we actually have some history with HCC, right, as a church family. And so can we encourage them in that? Can we encourage him in his call? Can we encourage them as they get a new pastor, all the churches in town, as they grow and reach others for the gospel of Jesus Christ? Can we get a, our heads around that idea of same-team Christianity, that we're excited about what God is doing, um, wherever he's doing it? 
I hope that that's the case. I even struggled with this a little bit last week because we had Nicole come in and share her story, which was very powerful. If you did not get to be here last week, we did get um, permission to upload it on our, our website and our podcast feed. I would highly encourage you to listen to her story. Again, Sanctity of Human Life Sunday was what we celebrated last week, but we all come with so much baggage to that question, and I thought it was such a powerful witness to the grace, the truth, and the hope of Jesus Christ um, as illustrated. Um, after last week's message, I was chatting with someone about it, and they said, it's not what I thought it would have been. I was nervous. It wasn't what I thought it would have been. I don't know what they thought it would have been, but I'm glad it was a blessing because that was the intent, right, an encouragement. And I hope it was also the same for Nicole as she came and shared. She serves at Relevant Pregnancy Options Center. I hope she's encouraged in her ministry there. I hope she's encouraged in her work at First Baptist Church. I hope she's encouraged in her faith life as she continues to follow Christ. And so this has all been the, 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 the intent that God has brought together for the series, you know, that, that uh, we're called to be the church everywhere we are, right? And not just here on Sundays. So let's wrap all this up. That's what I want to do today. I want to wrap it up, and I want to get super practical about, I, I, want to, I want to take all this stuff off the high shelf, the theoretical shelf, and I'll get it real practical for our lives so we can actually live differently and, and maybe experience some of what God is doing in the world. So I'm going to talk about that today, very practically, how we can live a lifestyle, a Christian lifestyle, across the board, no matter where you are, listen, no matter what gifts you think you do or don't have, the things I'm going to tell you about today are things that all of us can do if we'd only be willing to do it. Okay, so let's do what we always do. Let's pray. We're going to invite God to continue to teach us. He has been, but we're going to pray together uh, for the Holy Spirit's wisdom this morning. Father God, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to come here and to worship you. Uh, We would know nothing of you were it not for your revelation to us. That's our confession this morning, that you are the divine creator, that you made everything, and before you nothing was, and everything that is came into being because of you, and therefore we glorify you in and through it, even ourselves. And Father, we admit that for you not to reveal yourself, we would know nothing. And that's why we come to you in prayer, because you've invited us to pray. And so we want to just ask you this morning, Father, that as you work among us, as you will to work among us, that we'd be attentive to your teaching, and that you would give us uh, understanding in our minds, you give us eyes to see the truth, um, ears to hear the message we need to hear, that we would, we would be changed, not because um, we are mustering, but because you are working through us, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit would just dwell richly here among us and teach us your magnificent wisdom. May we learn and be changed, grow, uh, be transformed. You're the only one that can do it. Where else can we go? Father, would you do that work today amongst your people? We love you so much. We respond um, as much as we're able that you have given us. We thank you so much for the gospel and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Awesome. So we're going we're gonna to get in here this morning, and we're going to talk about a lifestyle that looks like Jesus, right? You, I hope you grabbed an engagement sheet this morning, because there's kind of three blanks on it. We're going to talk about each of those three blanks and kind of run through it together. These, these principles are, I didn't make these up, but the, these principles are something that have been established basically by looking at Jesus' ministry. And then a fascinating thing that I found uh, is when I started looking into the, these were things we're going to talk about today, um, they're being adopted by a whole bunch of ministries. This is very effective tools, if you will, right? Um, so we have friends at Crew that serve over at SIU Edwardsville and in, in downtown, or at, um, what is the, Missouri Baptist or something? There's some colleges over there in St. Louis. <laughs> anyway, uh, I should know. But uh, they're using these same tools there. There's other ministries throughout the world that are using these same three uh, kind of promptings that we would maybe be able to be more effective believers. 
Here's one thing I want to say to you. Sometimes when I notice a pattern in something, it turns me off to it. You know what I mean? Like, if you ever notice, like, you get to a certain place in a song, and then this thing happens, you go to the bridge. Sometimes like that, once I knew there was a pattern to it, I'm like, oh, it's the bridge. You know, like, you kind of... But the other part about this, because what we're talking about today is patterns of life. And the other part about patterns of life is that it gives us kind of um, an internal map or compass about maybe where we should be in this process to be more intentional. Does that make sense? So we're talking about today is kind of a road map. It's not going to be like, do this, this, this. It's going to be like, here's some kind of things you can look at and lay over the land. All right, check it out. So we're going to jump right into it. So the first thing that we can do if we want to become effective at sharing our faith or even effective believers of Jesus Christ is to live a lifestyle of prayer. Oh, that's not what I was expecting. There it is. To choose to live a prayer lifestyle, right? Now, this might go, okay, great. I came to church, you're going to tell me to pray, right? But listen, prayer is not what you think it is. Prayer is not what you think it is. So many of us were raised in, re- in church, uh, similar to religions, where we were taught to recite these prayers. Just say these words. Just say these words because God loves these words. They're his favorite words. And if you say them to him a whole bunch, he's really excited about those words. I don't know. I, I don't know, right? I mean, there's places for very intentionally written prayers. But, you know, what's God getting at? What is he pressing for? And he wants us to talk to him. What is the point of prayer? Is he keeping the tally? Is he like the teacher at Chuck? We're going, he did it again. He did it again. She did it again. She did it again. Or, or is he like, talk to me. Tell me what's going on in your life. A life of prayer is like the fundamental defining thing of our relationship uh, with God, and, and therefore um, a very powerful. I want to share with you from the Gospel of Luke. I hope you will turn there, Luke chapter 11. You've heard this before. Um, Luke 11, 1 through 4. We could do more there. Um, some of this ties into what Dale taught on earlier this morning already, but I'm just going to talk about this little moment here with Jesus and his disciples. Check it out. Verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. I'm going to stop there a minute. We're going to come back to this. But first of all, the the first thing I just want to say, and you might go, duh, Jesus was praying. (laughs) We've said it before, Family Bible Church, but Jesus was praying like It wasn't surprised he was praying. It says one day uh, he was praying, and he was praying in a certain place, like he had gone somewhere with the purpose to pray. That's what he had done. Interesting to me that the disciples kind of chase him over there and, and say, will you teach us? And then what is their example? Will you teach us the way that John taught his disciples? Isn't that interesting? Will you teach us the way John taught his disciples? I have to confess something to you. Well, first of all, let me say this. Anyone can pray. Anyone can pray. Now I'll confess something to you. There was this weird thing when I became a pastor that I would show up places and they would say, oh, oh, Bill's here. Can you pray? And I would go, yeah, but so can you. And I would pray. But I felt a little weird about it. And then it got more, and people, oh. and as a matter of fact, I just recently was celebrating because we went somewhere, and, and someone else who was leading said, I'll pray. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I love to pray, but I don't want people to think that prayer is for pastors. That's such a weird thing, right? Like, that that's not how that works. But here, the example, and it's not wrong of you to go, oh, will you teach us to pray? Because 
we see that the disciples say, well, John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus, will you teach us? I was, um, I told you last week, I got to sit in on a pastor's conference, and they were introducing a speaker, and there's this really famous preacher named uh, Charles Spurgeon. I don't know if you know who Spurgeon is. He's a kind of an old-school preacher. He used to preach for, I don't know, hours and hours in the open air, and people would just, thousands of people would gather around and all this. And, um, and there was a conversation that was had, and, and one guy says, um, hey, I got to hear Charles Spurgeon preach. Can you believe it? To another believer. And the believer said, oh, you did? But have you heard him pray? Because apparently he was a better prayer than preacher. <laughs> a better prayer than preacher. I thought, yeah. Why, why would I, as a as this confessional, why would I, as a pastor, feel weird about people asking me to pray? Yes. Why would you feel odd if someone said, well, you believe, right? Will you pray? Yes. And then, and then how can we practice that? Well, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, will you teach us to pray? Will you, will you do like John did for his disciples? Apparently, it was good for John's disciples to learn how to pray from John. And you may know that in the Jewish faith, there were lots of things you did to pray certain ways, prescribed ways that you pray. And now, here is Jesus' prescription. So look back at the text, if you would. Jesus' prescription, you know this, right? But I want you to hear it. When you pray, say this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive our sins because we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. There's more. That's the end of what Jesus teaches about the prayer. Then he starts talking about how good God is. And then if you go to God and you ask him for things, as Dale said earlier, he's going to give them to you, right? Like, like he's not going to trick you or deceive you if you go to him in earnest prayer. It's funny to me that we've taken these words of Jesus and we've kind of made them this rote thing we can recite together, right? We can just say those words. Jesus said, pray these words. I'm going to pray these words literally. Um, it reminds me a bit of looking at God like a cosmic uh, slot machine. Uh, not a slot machine because those are really random. Uh, like a computer program, you know. Um, if I say these words, you have to be pleased because you said say these words and I said these words. But is that what he means? And the Gospel of Matthew records the same prayer. And it says this. Jesus says this. When you pray, pray like this. Hmm. Not pray these words. Pray like this. Do you remember one of the things that Jesus was accused of a heretic for? Believing he was a child of God. Heresy. No one is good but God alone. No one can be God. You can't be God's son. God's only begotten son. It's not possible. You're a heretic. They killed him for it. How does he teach us to pray? I say us. I mean his disciples. How does he teach disciples to pray? When you pray, pray like this. Father. That's how we talk to God. Right? 
He, he, there's, there, I mean, I can't even get into how many illustrations of what's not in here because it's unfair to the text because there's lots of things that are not in the text, right? But it's not like, you know, like, oh, eternal, everlasting, almighty, forever in the other place, God. That's not what Jesus says. And Jesus talks to his disciples, and they're like, hey, Jesus, how do we pray like you? Which is what they're asking, right? They see Jesus, and they're like, hey, how can we pray like you, Jesus? Then he goes, you pray like this, Father. <laughs> That's how you pray? I love the words, and I also don't like the words here because they become so stilted. Hallowed be your name. You know what that means? You're holy. (laughs) That's how you pray to God, right? God, you are holy. You're beautiful. You're glorious. That's how we pray in our lives. Hallowed. What does hallowed mean? He's empty. I don't know what hallowed means. Don't use it. Here's a fun game you can play. If you get together with brothers and sisters who say the Our Father, the prayer that we call the Our Father, I would not abstain from that. I would say the Our Father. I'm not saying, I'm not legalistic, right? Say the words. But just use your own in there, you know? Some of my favorite tricks is when you get the hallowed be your name, I'd say holy is your name. No one really notices around you when you do this, but it's just kind of a fun little thing you're talking to God. Like, I know you're real and you're here and listening, and this isn't just me reciting things from memory. Oh, here's a fun one. When you get to forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts just say sin that's what the bible says i mean matthew says trespasses but you know just say sin father forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us this is different and feels different you know but is he saying say the words i don't i don't think he is pray like this father you are holy Your kingdom come, and you know the words, on earth as it is in heaven. I mean, how funny is it that we would pray a prayer like that? God, I want the earth to be like the heaven is. I want want to to know you more, and, and I know I'm going to heaven. I get that. I sense it from you. But I want to see more heaven here on earth. I want it to be more like the kingdom all the time. That's what the prayer is, right? We say the prayer, isn't it crazy? And then we don't do, you almost feel the doing of that don't you make earth more like heaven some pessimistic believers will say well it can't be we'll we'll never have heaven on earth until jesus returns theologically absolutely true but we should not be standing around tapping our toes going this place sucks and we're just waiting for jesus the prayer is would earth be more like heaven now we see this manifest in jesus own ministry okay by the way, I'm going to spend more time on this first issue than the, last, the second two. So just, you know, we're, we're fine here. Because this is where it's at. Is this talking, being in relationship with God, God's self. To believe that the one who made you and knit you together knows you and wants to hear from you, wants to discuss things with you, no matter how boring or ordinary you might think they are. Your kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Give us each day our food. I don't know if we pray that prayer much anymore. Just today, God, how much time do I spend worrying about the future? How much time do I spend wringing my hands and anxious about the past? You know what, God, I just need to eat today. Will you, and that doesn't mean like physical, like can, I just need to survive the day. Will you be my sustainer? How will that prayer be different like in the middle of your day? Oh, God, it's been a hard day Can you help me get through this? It's been an awesome day. Can you help me enjoy that? What does it look like 
This prayer is all about relationship. And then we get into forgive us our sins. And in the, Luke, in the gospel, Luke says, because we have forgiven everyone who sins against us. Man, that's a dangerous confession. Because I know a whole lot of people, I mean, I know a whole lot of people in churches that are really good at holding grudges. Pray, pray like that. Forgive us like we forgive others. Oof. I don't know. I want to say for, forgive us like you forgive us and, and I'll try to forgive others. You know what I mean? Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven the sins of others or as we forgive the sins of others. Would you change that in me? I mean, these are conversations that we can have. You find yourself holding a grudge. You find yourself feeling prideful. You find yourself struggling. Just to go to God and say, God, I just need you to help me with that. Would you, would you help me let go of this thing I'm holding on to? God, would you help me to know? And here's the key, by the way. You will not forgive people until you know you're forgiven. And if you can't forgive people, you don't know you've been forgiven. And, and, and I just want to say that. So that's what you can back up to. You can say, I'm holding that for some reason God, would you teach me again how much you've forgiven me of? Like, would you remind me of how holy you are and how much I need you and how much you've forgiven me so that I will stop holding on to these petty things? See, you can back all the way up to that. Reminding ourselves of what God has done for us who believers in Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ. Forgive us our sins. That's what Jesus taught his disciples to say. As we forgive everyone who sins against us. Everyone who sins against us. You know, we look at the cross of Christ and we say, how, how can he do that? How can he say from the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> We're sinning against him. It's an active prayer. It's a prayer in the moment. And then he ends with, and lead us not into temptation. Right? We, um, are, we tend towards sin. We don't need any help getting there. God, would you keep us further from sin in our lives, which I believe is the work of the Holy Spirit to con constantly, continually, and lovingly move us back away from things that are ultimately harmful to ourselves and others. I've been amazed as we've watched... Um, you know, culture this year and last, the end of last year and some things. And everyone is so shocked and appalled um, by how terrible everyone is. Like everyone is so shocked and appalled. Why would anyone do that? And we all tick our tongues and we shake our heads and go, well, I can't believe they would do that. But the problem we have as humanity is it's us. We have a tendency towards sin. And so Jesus teaches us here to go, God, deliver me from temptation. Move me away from sin. I want, I want to be more like you made me to be and less like I tend to be. And again, if you think this is an overstatement, man, read the Bible. Read the Bible, right? Like, it's full of those stories. You know, Paul says, you know, like, I, I, I can't do the things I want to do. I keep doing things I don't want to do. And he's the apostle Paul. Just like you and me. God, would you deliver us from temptation today? I do believe, and listen to me now, because I'm being real practical, there is no temptation that you faced that God has not given you the power to walk away from. That's the truth. We just don't always choose to do, to do it, to use it. You can try this next time you're really struggling with something. Say, oh, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm so tempted to do this right now. God, would you give me the power to not do it? I, I don't, I don't want to do it. And see what happens. 50-50 shot. I don't know. 
but he's given you the power to walk away. Because if you ever walk away, it's his power to not sin. So this is how we're called to pray, right? Well, I want to I kind of wrap this up then. So, so okay, I've talked about you living out your faith. How does that really happen? The first thing I want to say is that we're called to always pray. So I'm going to put a verse up here on, on the screen. This is 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, this is Paul's admonition to the church in Thessalonica, and he says, be joyful always. You've heard this before. Pray continually. That word means without ceasing, nonstop. Keep praying. Don't ever stop praying, church. Keep praying all the time and don't stop praying. Give thanks in all circumstances because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As believers in Jesus Christ, we're called to pray all the time. All the time. I'm going to talk about how, how that works a little bit in a minute. But just know that that's the command. Always pray. So we should always be praying. I want to share another verse with you. And this is from um, Ephesians 6. And pray, and here it is, in the Spirit, right, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints, right? So, so you should pray for um, every circumstance. Every circumstance, we should be praying for it. It shouldn't be an anomaly that we pray for something in our lives. I, one thing I thought was interesting about Nicole sharing with us last week is she said, God was my last resort. I tried everything else. Why not try God? And, and, and that's, I would say, fine for a non-believer before they're believing. But as believers, why is God our last resort? <laughs> why is the last thing we do? Paul says, in Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests. I hope you will believe me this morning when I say, there is no stupid prayer request. There is none. There's none. Let me ask you this question for those of you who are, who are parents. Have you ever had a time, this is a little dangerous because God's, God's our Heavenly Father, but he, He's so much beyond us and better than us, but has there ever been a time that your kids have come and said, hey, I just want to talk something through with you that I'm thinking about? You're just like, get away from me. I, I don't want to talk to you about this. You're always like, what? <laughs> you want to know what I think about your life? <laughs> Victory as a parent, you know? Do you think there's any part of that that God's like, what? You want to know what I think about what you're going to ready to do? You want to know what I think about that relationship? You want to know what I think about your job? You want to know what I think about your life? What? I mean, there's got to be some of that, right? Yeah, I, re I really do want to know, God. I really want to know what, what you want, what you think. So different, isn't it? All occasions, all kinds of prayer requests, all kinds of opportunities we have to just go and to live out our faith. And then he says, with this in mind, um, be mindful and pray for all the saints too, right? So here it goes. He goes, pray for everything, oh, by the way, and pray for the church. And that means the church at large, all the saints. Paul's writing to a church he's not even at here in Ephesus, and he, he had relationships there, but you know what I'm saying? Like, they're all praying for each other. There's this whole thing happening in the community of faith. Let's keep going. Let's keep sharing the good news. Let's make sure we're sharing the good news and then keep sharing the good news. Be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I have one more to share with you. We pray for everyone. This is from 1 Timothy 2. 
The word says, I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, and intercession and, intercession and thanksgiving or supplication and thanksgiving may be made for everyone, right? Now, I want you to point out something here that, that Paul's writing um, to this young leader. He says, um, for, uh, for the kings and those in authority, because it would seem to me that when Paul's writing that, he's saying you're leaving some people out of your prayer life. You're probably praying for all the people in your church. You're probably praying for your family. You're probably praying for your pastor. You're probably praying for all these other folks. But let's not forget that we're called to pray for the king and all those who are given authority. That's everyone. I, I, don't, know, I don't know if you're like me. I have a hard time praying for kings and rulers. I have a hard time praying for them. Maybe I shouldn't, you know. I kind of feel like they've already got everything, right? Why would I pray for them? <laughs> I'll pray for the person on the street. I'll pray for the person who's struggling in life. I'll pray for all these other people, but the people who have it all together, I ain't pray for them. Why would I? Because God says we should. Pray for all those who are in authority. What? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. Paul's like, God's appointed these folks, and we're called to live our faith out where we are. So pray for him. Who else is authority? Your boss. Pray for your boss. You know? Pray for your parents, man. Parents could use your prayer. Pray for your parents. Pray for anyone that God has an authority. But everyone. That's what the word says, doesn't it? Pass. It's, it's all. Thanksgiving, intercession, and prayers and requests you made for everyone, Timothy. This is your job. Pray for everybody. So the opportunity we have to pray. All right, cool. Check it out. So... I want to talk then about how we can do that, right? I just want to encourage you, right, in my role at Family Bible Church here as a fellow journeyer with you, but as the pastor of this church, I want to encourage you to just talk to God all the time. Can I encourage you to do that? Like, find yourself talking to God while you're commuting, right? Find yourself talking to God when you wake up in the morning. Before you roll out of bed, the alarm goes off and you hit it, you hate it. I don't know if you're like me. I hate it and I hit it. After that, that's my time that I pray. I'm not bragging here. I just say, I go, oh God, I don't want to get up. That's my first prayer of the morning. Let me sleep a little longer. And then I pray, God, would you show me what you want me to do today? God, would you, oh, oh, I just remember that thing I have to do today, Father. Would you, would you make that go well? Oh, here's a fun thing. The phone rings. This happened this week to me, and it was a call I didn't want to take. You ever had one of those? You know what I did? In great courage, I swiped and answered it. <laughs> But before I did it, I said, God, help this to go well for your glory. Because I knew I had such a propensity to screw this call up. Not just screw it up for like what I wanted, but be, you know, be a bad witness for Jesus on this call. You know what I mean? Like, I want to be a good witness. God, would you help me in this? Hello? And I just kept listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh-huh. You know, and it went really well. It went really well. I hung up the phone. I said, thank you, God. It's so awesome. Praise God. Right? Why not? Uh, pray, pray, you know, like all the time. You know, you have, I mean, there's no time that you, couldn't, you, you can't be praying. I'm not saying should. I'm not trying to guilt you into prayer. I'm saying it's an opportunity to talk to God, you know. I've been driving my car and I have some near misses. I almost had a wreck. I'm like, woo, praise you, God. Thanks for not having me have a wreck. <laughs> and I've wrecked cars and I've been like, God, thank you. I didn't die, right? I mean, whatever it is in your life, whatever it is in your life. I'll tell you a story. This is a little unsavory. But I want to tell, I might have told you this before, but I, I remember I was early in my faith with Christ, and uh, I think I told you all this before. I was, I was using the bathroom, and I don't know if you guys know, but in uh, women's bathrooms and men's bathrooms are different usually. Uh, 
There's one, other than cleanliness, there's one particular uh, feature um, that, that women don't have in there. It's a urinal, right? And it doesn't hold a whole lot of water. And I was at a church, and I flushed the toilet, and the, the urinal was about to overflow. De- devastatingly embarrassing. And it wasn't going to stop. It, the stupid valve wouldn't shut off. And this very, and it starts to fill up. And I prayed. I meant it, too. I was like, oh, God, don't let that overflow. God, Jesus, please, please. And it goes, shunk. I was like, yes! And then immediately there was this voice on my shoulder going, what? You're bothering God with toilets flushing. Why not? It was desperate. I couldn't stop it. I mean, it sounds so silly, but why not? And, and then all of our, then we get into decisions. Should I marry this person, not marry this person? Should I do this or not do that? What should I even do with my life today? You can pray. All right. Very practical ways that we can pray all the time. Just be open to the conversation. You know what I mean? And if you feel like, you know what, man, I don't pray in my life. I don't need to talk to God and all that. But I just think we're called to pray. I would just disagree with you. If you're a believer, okay, why? Oh, why? Because it's going to encourage your own faith. Because first of all, you're in a relationship with God that matters. Before anything else, you're in a relationship with God that matters. And then the second thing is that you, you, you begin to be able to pray for others. So we're talking about how we can share. Just start by praying for somebody, right? If there's someone that God's got around you, just pray for them. You may never share your faith with them. Just pray for them. God, would you help them with that? Would you bless them with that? If they ask you to pray, will you pray with them right there? Pray. Yeah, I'll pray with you right here. But if they don't ask, will you just pray? The person we ain't asking for God, they didn't even want God. Will you pray for them? See, we can just automatically do it. That's to, to nobody else. I told you all this before, and I'm not going to tell you the story again, but I had a person before that told me when I was a new believer, don't you ever pray for me? And I thought, that's a great idea. I hadn't thought of that yet. And I prayed for her every day after that. I worked with her, and I prayed for her every day. You can't stop me. Are you a rebel like I am? I love being a rebel. Don't you pray for me. Got it. <laughs> pray. Pray. Man, why not, you know? Uh, also, um, this kind of the Bible gets in here, right? Because if you don't know what the Bible says about people who pray and prayer, faith of they're praying and faith and all this stuff, that you haven't read the Bible, you should know what the Bible says. Like, this has always been the way it is. I think about Moses. He was standing on a battlefield and have his hands up over the field. And when he put his hands down, the fighting would stop. He was praying. He was praying that God would bring victory, right? It's this continual witness in Scripture. Jesus prayed, and he prayed from the cross. I mean, he's praying for us right now, the Word says. It's all throughout. So the more you read the Bible, the more you understand how integral prayer is to our lives, and then we can actually live out a life of faith because we pray. All right. And we're going to move on. So prayer is the first marker of a, of a Christian lifestyle or lifestyle in Christ. I'm not saying it's the only, but it's a marker, right? The second would be to care, right? So this is the, the do something. And I'm going to share with you from the Gospel of Luke also. It should be like one page. Maybe mine's on the same page um, before you are. You've heard the story before, but I want to share it, just a, a brief part of it. In verse, uh, chapter 10, verse 30, Jesus told the story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, and they beat him, and they went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so to a Levite, when he had come to the place and saw the man, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he saw the man, and he took pity on the man, and he went to the man, and he bandaged his wounds, he poured on oil, oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn and took care of the man. 
The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any additional expense that you may incur. And then Jesus asked a question. Because the guy's asking about righteousness. How, am I, how can I be right? How can I, how, who am I called to love? And this is Jesus' answer. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? And the experts of the law said, the one who had mercy. And Jesus said these words. Then go and do that. That's what he said. Then go and do it. Do something about it. Right? And so there is this idea that we're called first to pray, right? The disciples came. Jesus is in a certain place praying, and he did this a lot in his ministry. They would find him in prayer. He would sneak away to go pray. But then when he would come back, he would start doing stuff. He believed that part of the prayer on earth as it is in heaven. He believed it in some fundamental way. And I know you're like me, and I know you've heard the story a whole bunch of times. I get it. But listen, there's there's this idea that it, what did he have to do? Nothing that he couldn't do. The Samaritan, there was, and there was an implication that there was nothing the priest or Levite couldn't have done either. They just didn't do it. Who is the one that showed love? The one who had mercy. Jesus says, go and do the same thing, right? That's what we're called to do. So you start out in your life, you're praying for somebody. And then they, you, you hear some real need. And you, you start going, God, how can I help with that? Can I do something about that need? Not in a manipulative way, in a way that that could be everything. You're done. You help them out, they disappear from your life, and you never see them again. But you know what? You had mercy. It's an action is what it is. That's the difference in this narrative. It comes right before his disciples ask him to learn how to pray. He tells the story, right? There's something about our relationship with God that, requires action. Matter of fact, if you pray enough, you begin, you'll become changed. You will change. If you pray enough, you will become different. You will want things to be different, and you'll be willing to act to make things different. God will build up some tension in your heart. That's got to change. That's got to change. We just got an email update from Marissa this morning uh, who's serving in Kenya. And she said right now they're trying to discern where she spends the rest of her ministry over there. She's between education and serving as a missionary right now. And she said, you know, pray for discernment that I would know where God wants me to serve. And my prayer is that God would not something up in her heart so bad that she could, it wouldn't matter what else they offered her, she'd have to do that thing. And that comes through prayer and discernment. So we pray for somebody and then God gives us compassion. Say, oh, we got to do something about it. I wonder, the, the Levite and the priests who are on their way to the temple, I wonder if they had been in prayer in that moment, maybe they would have redirected. I wonder. If they had been living a praying on all occasions for all people prayer life, would they have stopped and said, wait a minute, I have to deal with this. So some verses that I want to share with you that talk about the same um, similar issue here. Philippians, uh, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but to the interests of others, right? That's what we're called to do as, as believers in Christ, to look after the interests of other people. The compassion that God has given us as believers is not just to go, oh, it's a shame, but to help in some way. I know it's tough. I know it's tough. I'm that guy saying, I don't want to be part of the problem for that person. But we, we are called to do something. We're called to do something, 
right? And so we can live, in, live a caring lifestyle. Or how about this from the, the book of James, a very powerful passage. Uh, you know it. It says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds or works, right? His, he's, his faith doesn't do anything. What good is that? Can such a faith even save that person? That's a bold question being asked right there. But look at what he says next. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and be well fed, but does nothing about the physical needs, what good have you done? I just want to stop here for a second and ask that you hear the question, what good have you done? Oh, yes, I want that to happen, but then you don't do anything to help out. What good have you done? Wait, I didn't go forward. Check it out. But does nothing about the physical needs that he knows. See what's happened? You know there's a physical need. You know there's a need that God's revealed to you there. But you go, I'm, I'm not going to, good luck with that. You know? What, what good is it? Huh. Wait, what good is your faith? We think about the life of Jesus as he walked around, right, and, and, and served and loved people, you know? We don't see a lot of that in his life. Now, he didn't heal everyone. He didn't, if you look at it. I mean, he didn't, it wasn't like he was like a, a vending machine. Um, but every time he was moved, every time he was saw something, every time he was called to do something, he would do it, right? The times that it didn't happen, transformation didn't happen, was because the people walked away from Jesus. Jesus didn't walk away from the people because he always had time to do it, to care. What good is that? And, that, and that's so much of our lives, right, that we'll, we'll do that kind of stuff. Oh, it's a shame, I'll be praying for you. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by actions, is dead. Now, he is not saying if you do things, you're saved. He never says that in here. He says, can a faith that has no action even be a saving faith at all? He's saying faith saves, but faith that ends up doing stuff is a saving faith. And if you have a faith that doesn't require you to care about anybody, maybe you don't have faith at all. Maybe you should check yourself. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is a dead faith. And we are not called to a dead faith. All this comes into relationship, right? Talking to God. All right, third point. We'll wrap here. So we have this opportunity. Um, oh, I, I do want to talk for a moment, actually, about, uh, what did I have up there? <laughs> about care. Oh yeah, check this out. Galatians, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Paul says that after writing the book of Romans. He says the entire law is summed up in loving your neighbor as you love yourself. It's, it's a call of Christians. So what can we do? Man, I would say any little thing you can do, do it. Anything. Don't, don't think of all things you can't do to help somebody out. Find out one thing you can do. I recently heard someone say, that one of the greatest needs for all people is to be listened to. But none of us have time anymore. You could act by listening to someone in their life. You could act by, by just doing a small, and you go, oh, it's such a small thing. But anything done in faith, right, is glorifying to God. I don't know if this will help, but can I, can I bless you with this? I don't know if this even want this, but can I do this for you, right? And there's all kinds of ways that we can love and serve other people, which is a de demonstration of our faith, right? Not manipulatively, not like, well, now I did that for you, owe me. Now you got to do this, you got to do that. You ought to you believe now. That's not what we're after here. We're after living a faith that matters. We're called to do it. And then the third. So we got 
a prayer, care, and the last is what? Share, right? Willing to share your faith. Because if you go that far and someone's like, man, what's the deal with this? And you walk away, you've not effectively explained why you're doing it anyway, you know? Um, Because it's part of who you are now, right? It's part of who we are in Christ, that we are being conformed to his image, made more like him, and that there is a truth that needs to be reconciled or reckoned with, and we are called to do it. Romans 10, Romans 10, 13 and 15. This is what the word says. Wait, I might have the wrong reference here. <laughs> Read it. Oh, yeah, yeah, this is it. This is it. Okay, I, always, I don't know why I've been doing it myself lately. Here we go. 13. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call in the name of the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one that they have not heard of? And how can they hear of the one unless someone tells them or preaches, proclaims it? Don't let the word preaching throw you off there, right? Someone has to proclaim the truth. And how do they proclaim it unless they are sent? As it is written, and listen to the word, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, right? So there is, and isn't it funny? Now, I want to say something because Sarah said something about street evangelism earlier. Isn't it funny that we always start here? I'm going to go out and tell people my faith. That's what we, we, we feel like we're doing God's work. We tell people our faith first. As you know and as I know, if we have not have a relationship with that person, if we've not spent time, if we've not invested in some way, who cares? We drive by a hundred people who are screaming at us what we should do with our lives, right? We don't pay them any mind. But someone who cares about you, someone who's prayed for you, someone who's invested in your life, and they say, man, this is what's going on in my life, and then leave it at that. This is, a, this is the truth, right? Jesus saved me. Jesus can save you. The Holy Spirit will dwell in you upon belief in Jesus Christ. Your life will never be the same. You'll be transformed from the inside out. It's not about being a holy person, a religious person. It's about being in a relationship with the God who made you. You start to have conversations with that. People who actually invest in you are like, dang, I got to think about this, right? I want that. I would like to be that kind of a person too. I want to be changed. I want to know God that way. But how will it ever happen if we, if we don't ever say so we have opportunities to do that then, over time. I would back way off the pressure of how, you know, of, of some manipulative way to do it. I would just be a believer where I am and then let God take credit for whatever happens from that, whatever conversations. But always, always be honest about your relationship with God. Don't hide it. That's the danger. I'll just never tell him because I don't want, that's a different thing you're dealing with there. Check it out. 2 Timothy 1.8. Uh, so do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord Jesus Christ or, or of Paul, uh, his prisoner. Rather, join with Paul in suffering for the gospel by the grace or the power of God, right? So, like, don't be ashamed, but be willing to suffer for the gospel, you know, in every way that that means, be willing to suffer for the gospel with Paul. But certainly don't be ashamed of your testimony, don't be afraid to tell people what you know and how you know it. Don't be afraid to be changed by that conversation. First Peter uh, 5, I think, yeah, 3, 3.15 says, um, if your heart, in your heart set Christ apart as Lord, and always be prepared, here's it is, to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. There it is. 
But do it with gentleness and respect. <laughs> so you kind of heard earlier Paul said, you know, pray for the leaders and authority so we can live lives of quiet submission and humility, right? But if someone come and asked Paul what he believed in, he would tell him what he believed in, whether king or not. He would tell him exactly what he believed in. Always have a reason. Always have an answer. Uh, be ready to give an answer when the question's asked. Well, why do you do that? And then lastly, um, the Gospel of Luke 24. I'm going to turn there. So we're kind of wrapping back around here um, to where we started in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Luke 24, what I got up there, 45 and 48. Yeah, check this out, man. This is such a good promise. Uh, then he, then Jesus, this is Jesus after the resurrection. Then Jesus opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. I told you earlier, like, knowing what the Bible says is a huge part of your life as a Christian, right? Um, he opened their minds, Jesus did, so that they could understand what the scriptures said. And then he said to them, this is what is written. Make sure I'm keeping up with y'all here. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in his name to all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem, you yourselves are witnesses of these things. Do you see what it says there? Jesus says, the truth of the gospel will be proclaimed to all nations, and you, and who is he talking to? Those who are believing, who are seeing, who know Jesus, you are witnesses of these things. I'm making the point here that we are witnesses of these things, and we are called to testify about them when the time is right. We are called to share our faith when the time is right, but not in any perfunctory way. There will be a time, and Jesus reiterates this later, the Holy Spirit is going to tell you what you need to say. We need to say it. It's not about you. It's about me and what I've done, but you need to be faithful in that moment. And own your faith and share it. It will be proclaimed to all nations. So then the la we have the opportunity then to um, live out this prayer, care, share lifestyle. It's an alliteration sort of. It's easy to remember, but I kept flopping the order until I really focused up on it right. Prayer, care, share. Super simple. Now you're sitting there going, that was a lot, right? I only remember point one, pray. Good. Let's <laughs> pray. Let's do that now. Father God, we thank you so much for your gospel that saves, for the truth of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who came to earth that we might know you intimately and might be changed by you. Father God, for the power of your Holy Spirit that draws us near when we are not even believing. You, your word says we were dead in our transgressions. We could not lift a finger to receive you, and yet your Holy Spirit delivered us from death into life, delivered us from lostness into faith, and brought to us salvation for all time and for eternity. Father God, we give you praise and glory for that today. We do not deserve that, but you have bestowed it upon us, and we thank you for it. I pray for uh, all those here today that are being drawn near by your spirit, even right now, that in their lives you've been just pointing them down this road. You've been saying, hey, hey this is your time. This is your thing. This is me. I'm here for you. I pray that that relationship would flourish, Father God, by the power of your spirit, that we would come to know you more deeply. I do pray that we would not take for granted this thing we call prayer and treat it as trivial or ceremonial or just a memory verse, but that we would live our lives in a way that we're talking to you all the time, Father, and then that we have the courage then that whenever you're telling us things and we're seeing things, we would act as your people, that we would not have a dead faith uh, that your uh, brother James said that we should not have, that we would have a living, active faith that would just, you know, prove to us that we believe what we say we believe. 
And then, Father, that we would have opportunity to share, that your people be faithful witnesses. I think we are. Despite the status of the world, that we say uh, the king is not here yet. The king has not come yet. We are bound for another place. May you be glorified as we wait upon you. May you be glorified as we testify to you. I thank you so much, Father, for your church gathered here. I thank you for your church global, gathered everywhere throughout the world, and I thank you for the power and the magnitude of the message that you're bringing about at this time. May you be glorified. We pray it in Jesus' powerful name. Amen.